0: You're listening to a DM podcast. Welcome to The Five of My Life with me, Nigel Marsh. As an author, ad man and theologian, I've always been interested in people's stories. Not just those with a high profile, but people from all walks of life, regardless of fame, which is why I created this show. Each guest who takes The Five of My Life Challenge chooses a favourite film, book, song, place and possession. They tell me their choices in advance so I can research them, but they don't tell me why they've chosen them. That's the subject of our conversation. It's amazing what you can learn when discussing someone's five choices. I hope you enjoy listening to the show as much as I enjoy making it. In this second part of the Five of My Life on the Road edition, I interview Australia's most popular children's author, Andy Griffiths, live on stage at Castlemaine State Festival. Castlemaine State Festival is Australia's longest-running regional arts festival. Unique in its scope and diversity, it covers 17 days of events encompassing music, literature, film and now Five of My Life. I love this conversation, not just because Andy is a gorgeous fella, but because it was fascinating to learn about the deep-thinking, multi-talented adult behind the record-breaking children's books. This interview was conducted on stage in a large goods yard next to the town's railway line, so apologies for the sound quality when a train goes past. It's all part of the fun of a live event.
1: We need to introduce our next guest because, speaking of uh, surprise guests, it was my choice for for Nigel and Nigel very kindly agreed to have Andy here Andy Griffiths here today because most of us know Andy Griffiths as a incredibly successful best-selling in fact has sold you know over 10 million books around the world uh, as as a as a good fun silly crazy children's author i also know Andy as a very thoughtful interesting intellectual bloke and has lots to offer in terms of um, who he is and what's influenced him along the way. So I was so pleased when Nigel said he'd really love to interview Andy as a live Five of My Life from The Good Shed today, which will be recorded and on, put onto the podcast series. So let me introduce Andy so that we can get on with this. Um, Andy. As I said, best-selling Australian children's author, he and illustrator Terry Denton have collaborated on more than 33 best-selling books since their first title. Just Tricking was published in 1997. They've sold over 10 million copies. They have won 80 Children's Choice Awards and 10 Australian Book Industry Awards, including Book of the Year for the 52-storey treehouse. There is now 150-something stories in that treehouse. Andy is a proud ambassador for the Pyjama Foundation and also for the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. Would you please welcome Andy Griffiths to the stage.
2: Andrew.
0: Andrew Noel Griffiths, welcome to Five of My Life. Thank you very much. Does anyone else use your full name?
2: Uh, my family, and any, my family have always called me Andrew. Uh, my best friends from school used to call me Griff. And uh, anyone after 1997 calls me Andy. And Because Noel... Andy's my cunning um, disguise, <laughs> non-diplume.
0: Yeah. And does Noel ever get a workout or not?
2: No, no, no that's my dad's name. Yeah. Okay. And he can have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did you find...
0: The process of uh, doing the Five of My Life challenge.
2: Uh, really fun because I like making lists anyway of my favourite music and favourite movies, and I've always done that because in my work um, I'm sort of drawing on all of everything that I love and sort of um, channeling it into into my my books. Yeah.
0: Well I'm glad you enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to going on this journey with you and it's going to be a journey through the 1970s because the first three of your choices are all from the 70s and we always start on Five My Life with the film and you have chosen the Ken Russell rock opera classic
2: Tommy from 1975. Tell us on Five My Life why you've chosen that. Because it's just a movie you can watch endlessly, you can enjoy it because it is so over the top, so colourful, so excessive. Uh, It has the great music of The Who and Pete Townsend in particular. you can You can watch it and laugh at how stupid and bad some of it is, but that only makes it more enjoyable. You can take the deeper levels of the metaphor of Tommy, the um, the deaf, dumb, and blind kid, uh, as a metaphor for all of us going through life without knowing um what's really going on or having taken stock of yeah. of what's important and and the movie is really the um uh, spiritual exploration of of uh, tommy shutting down after witnessing the murder of his um in the film it's the murder of his mother's lover in the original rock opera it's the murder of his his father murders the mother's lover yeah. um, after coming home from war, presumed dead, and Tommy sees it and, he's, and they say, You've never, you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, you, didn't, you know nothing, so he goes into a catatonic sort of mute, deaf, dumb and blind state, but who, who happens to be really good at playing pinball because he can feel the vibrations and <laughs> he becomes very famous.
0: And so in, in the film, the protagonist, Tommy, has an appalling uh, childhood and upbringing in parents. Um, yep. Tell us about your parents and your childhood.
2: Oh, well, I had the same upbringing, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, now, I like to joke to the, the kids when I talk to them. I say, I, had a ter- I have mean parents. They made me use a knife and fork. <laughs> uh, and they made me go to school five days a week. Can you imagine that? Kids go, yeah, yeah. I said, well, you should run away like I did. Uh, but no, I had a, a great sort of free range 1970s upbringing in Melbourne. Um, it was on weekends, you know, you could leave after breakfast and make sure you're home before dark. Uh, but we had the eastern suburbs. I was growing up in Vermont, which was being converted from apple orchards to housing estates and we could just do anything we wanted me and my friends we could play in the creek we could fish we could um every november the firecrackers would come and we'd just play with dynamite for three weeks um it was an amazing childhood climbing trees and falling See, it's,
0: out it sounds so happy
2: it was a really happy yeah. childhood and, and often uh, both terry denton my illustrator and co-writer uh, we'll joke that we didn't have an unhappy childhood. We're at a disadvantage to most writers because we're writing out of the joy. We remember childhood as a lot of fun and infinite adventure and um, invention. And So when I, when I was reading as a kid, that was the type of book that resonated for me, Enid Blyton, um, yeah. you know, Adventures of the Wishing Chair and The Faraway Tree. Anything was possible. You, you know the Philip Larkin poem? Sorry? The, the Philip
0: Larkin poem, which is like they fuck you up, your mum and dad. Yours sounds like they tuck you up, your mum and dad.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they weren't perfect. Right. Like, like I was the wrong, I, I didn't fit their idea of what of the right child should be. Uh, I think my dad would have liked to see me playing football and cricket and a good team sport. And I was not interested at all, You know, I was more a, um, it left my own devices, I'd be reading or writing, playing with a typewriter and um, and I remember his complaint and probably my mother's, why do you have to be different? Why do you always have to be different? Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know, it's just doing what I love. And, but yeah, they, they were hoping I would become a, a lawyer or a doctor.
0: But they must be happy now seeing your enormous success.
2: Um, My my dad said, Yeah, our friends say you must be very um, proud. And he said, We're more bemused (laughs) that that you amounted to anything. (laughs) Because I was more interested in punk rock and, and just like messing up. Yeah.
0: It reminds me you saying that they might have wanted you to be a lawyer or something, that the wonderful book, uh, Orange is Not the Only Fruit, the, the author, yeah. <laughs> the mother said to her, why be happy when you could be normal?
2: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You go, right. And, and, that, and that was very important to my parents, yeah. to, to not stand out, to, to not be different.
0: Yeah. Now, the second choice on Five My Life is always the book. And one of the things I love with the 120 guests we've now had is how different people Respond to the format. So I've had someone choose uh, her teenage diary as her book. I've had someone choose his own book. How <laughs> brilliant! Your own book on five. My Life. Uh, I've had someone else uh, choose a play that I allowed because he hadn't seen the play; he'd only read it. Uh, and you have chosen a comic. Uh, it is from 1973, Super Giant Comic Number Two. Um, could you tell us your story on Five My Life? around that?
2: Well, um, I'll tell you how I came into possession of the comic was we would go to Pambula Beach on the east coast of um, Australia and have a a beach holiday for a couple of weeks at a camping resort. And uh, in this particular year, um, there were sharks. The shark siren would go off at 12 o'clock every day. Everyone had to get out of the water and you'd have a long tedious afternoon in the camping ground and they had a, a little shop there and they were selling these comics which are sort of Twilight Zone stories that sort of freak you out and I I would camp separately from my family, they had a four-man tent and I had a little orange tent and I'd spend the afternoons lost in this particular comic just like blowing my mind with, with the ideas and the weirdness of... Um, these adventures and so uh, it just it was something very powerful for me at 10 where the 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 adventure was real so so i read it at 60 i i read all the books
0: and watch all those and the story of x and beautifully economically crisply told i was actually enjoying it as a 60 year old that it's just a wonderful story.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a timeless, like a fairy tale. You don't have to be a child to enjoy a fairy tale. And a well-told comic, they're using a minimum of words to tell quite a complex story. In this case, about the fantasy writer Charles Bentley, who uh, has a mean editor making him create more and more fantastical characters. And in this case, he cre- creates a two-headed monster from outer space. The, the Air Force have to dispatch with a great trouble. And then it comes out and it's a big success, but then the Air Force calls him in and said, how did you know about this two-headed monster from outer space? It was top secret. And he says, pu- it's coincidence, I didn't know. Okay, okay. He does it again, there's a sea serpent, and then uh, the Navy call him in. How did you know about this? Uh, his editors, meanwhile, is whipping him, going, More, more, more. He says, I'll create this creature from another dimension that uh, can't be destroyed. If you fire bullets at it, it turns to smoke. And, um, and this, of course, comes to life and starts pursuing him. And he tries to write a sequel, but he isn't away from his typewriter. The sequel doesn't work. He realizes it's the typewriter and it's a race to, back to New York City to get the typewriter to write the sequel, but in the end he realises the only way to destroy the monster is to destroy the typewriter. And what a beautiful metaphor for a write, when you write, you want to suck yourself into your own story, you're believing it's really happening. So this works on a pure pulp fiction level, but it's also a metaphor for uh believing uh in the unbelievable I, wonderful
0: and, and because it's a comic obviously the pictures as well as the words are important and it makes me want to ask you about uh the secret to successful long partnerships because i think jill is in the audience and terry has been your illustrator for uh, decades as forever well. you, yeah. you clearly are good at partnerships what's your secret mate
2: um, I, I think it's allowing people to be a creative in their own right, to not try to control everything. So I see myself as someone who sets the general direction and the tone, and then I want other people to bring their own thing to the, to the party, which then inspires me to expand and modify my original vision, because I don't think mine is the definitive one. And I've just learned the more you allow people to come in, um, the bigger and more enriched, uh, the project is enriched. Um, and it's not always easy because sometimes those, those drawings or whatever's brought to the table are not what I thought. And so there will be backwards and forwards, but it always results in a better, um, a proje- a better final outcome. And also because I'm obsessed with music and I love reading band biographies and I love, in a band biography, generally most bands might last for three or four years if they're lucky, two or three albums before the inevitable egos get in the way and those to me are like self-help manuals about how to maintain partnerships.
0: Don't be a rock star.
2: No, be a rock star but realise that ego is going to kill you if you try to put yourself forward of the group yeah
0: that's the perfect link to the third choice on five my life which is always the song and there's every song that my guests choose gets put on the five my life spotify playlist so it's an amazing six hours now with completely random songs that the algorithms wouldn't give you because julia gillard's song would be different to andy Griffiths's song would be different to uh, Kevin Rudd's song that we did to to Commando no Steve's song uh, and your song is the wonderful 1973 was staying in the 70s uh, Into the Blue by G. Wayne Thomas which is actually from the soundtrack of the surfing film Crystal Voyager.
1: Helios eye reflects back at you as you slide through space gliding into the blue
2: so I went through a period of being obsessed with surfing because my f- my best friend mark 's brother. Made surfboards in the backyard. He had a surfboard company, and it was called Silver Cylinder Surfboards. And he made me one, and we would go surfing. And he had a panel van. It was like the classic early '70s dream. And uh, and out the back of that, he was blasting one day the soundtrack to Crystal Voyager. And it's just uh, it's a um, it's a music that evokes the feeling of being in the water and surfing the waves. And so it's a wonderfully uplifting, transporting. It's kind of daggy. It sounds a little bit at times like a 1970s margarine commercial. Um, But if you just ignore that, uh, that, it'll just take you back into that uh, blissful dream of being on a wave with the wave curling over the top of you and it's a Sunday morning standard for me you can just put it and drift away.
0: Now you're being modest and hiding your light under a bushel because you are a very accomplished successful uh, musician yourself and I have to ask you I'm not sure if anyone in the audience (laughs) is aware of your uh, six-year career in first of all gothic farmyard Uh, the lead (laughs) singer this gentleman over here and Ivory Coast and the, the two uh, songs that, that in my research caught my ear was you're, you're a, a legend at titles mowing tentacles and weeding giant clams mm, a yes. classic from 1984 <laughs> and how can I stop the leak if you won't stop peeling off my band-aids from mm, 1986 yeah, yeah. Uh, would you mind telling us all about your uh, flirtation <laughs> with punk rock
2: Uh, Yeah, and I'd say tremendously successful, accomplished musician is a way, exaggerated way of saying I was the guy who wrote the words and I ended up standing up there barking them out and shouting them and I developed a very lively stage act to cover the fact I could not sing a note, I I can't play an instrument. But I, I discovered through that period I could hold the attention of a crowd by any means of desperation necessary, uh, which came in very handy when I became a children's author and had to entertain kids, which are much worse than a punk rock audience. Um, So that just stood me in good ground. But um, yeah, the music is always the first point for me. It's the energy. I just get this huge energy off listening to, Uh, many types of music, especially punk and alternative, um, different music, it really excites me. And I want to translate that energy into words. And so that came out first as a joke band, where it was just a big joke. And then we put it on at school as a big concert. and, And we were trying to be the worst band in the world. And we were, but we were incredibly entertaining. And so that led to a more serious pursuit. So I studied a Bachelor of Arts and a literature degree by day, and I was out in pubs being, being punk rock at night for five years.
0: A man of many talents. <laughs> Um, The fourth choice on Five of My Life is the place. Uh, And I've been Google mapping on satellite this and reading about it. It looks utterly beautiful. It's the tidal mudflat, corner inlet in Wilson's Promontory National Park. Would you first of all describe uh, where it is and what it's like and then tell us why you've chosen it?
2: Well, I'm kind of reluctant to describe where it is because I don't want anyone to actually go there because no one ever goes there. Um, and it's if you go down uh, to Wilson's Promontory National Park, um, you will go left at Foley Road. Now I'm telling you all. Um, <laughs> you go left. Uh, you can't see it from the road, but uh, it's just a big, many kilometres of tidal mudflats. So the tide takes a kilometre to come in and a kilometre to come out twice a day. And it's just, it's kind of bleak. It's not a big, beautiful, yellow sand surf beach. It's the opposite. It's mud and it's, it smells and there's crabs and there's horrible jelly-like things. And if, to me, it feels like we're on the earth six billion years ago before life evolved. Um, but because of that, it's just an incredibly peaceful place, like time travelling to before life began. Um, And we uh, would go for many holidays down there. We had a block of land that was developed as a sort of camping ground by conservationists. So me and all the other kids had the run of this beach and um, even today you will very rarely see anyone else because it's so kind of ugly in terms of what we would normally look for from a beach. Um, But there was a boat, a kind of wooden boat, and we all used to get in and rock backwards and forwards and have a great time. And over the years, it's all silted up, so now the only thing you can see of that boat is the prow. And I've watched it over the last 50 years um, just gradually become consumed, and the prow is sticking up. And that's like my little timer. You know, one day that prow is going to be probably by the time I'm ready to shuffle off this mortal coil, that will be gone. Um, so I love going back there. That's ground zero for me. We can come out into the world and be busy and do all of this stuff, and I know that that is always the same.
0: And, and would you mind talking about the the role of nature and the outdoors in in young people's lives, mental health? Uh, these days do you, do you feel that they're uh, is it true that they're all just stuck on screens indoors or
2: um i can only go from i live down by the beach in in melbourne um, and i do wonder where all the people are um, they all came out during lockdown everyone discovered it because hey we've got work walking paths and then, of course, I got a little bit shitty because you know, why is everyone on the paths now? Go away, go away! I used yeah. to have it all to myself. Um, but I love seeing people out there, and and it's always been very important to me. I've loved bushwalking and I've done many hikes, especially all around the prom, um, and that that is a sort of ground zero. It's a clearinghouse for all the busyness. Yeah. So, so. Uh, exercise
0: has always been a passion of yours absolutely and yeah. I, I i've got a, another title to rival the how can i stop the leak if you won't stop peeling off my band-aids which is fast food and no play makes jack a fat boy you you once wrote out of the normal genre that we might know you for you, you forgot
2: th- the subtitle creating oh. a healthier lifestyle for you and your family was this yeah. a self-help book mate <laughs> No, it was a fictional story of a of a mother trying to make her family healthier. Right. And each comical little chapter highlighted one of the obstacles that is in our way because we live in what's called an obesogenic environment where the chocolate bars are right at your eye height and, and often at the kid's height of the cashier. So there's one of your challenges. And I wrote it in conjunction with a personal trainer and a dietitian. So there was... Um, there was lifestyle advice at the end of each chapter how this is how you can combat that you know don't take your kids to the supermarket might be one simple <laughs> yeah. um, health increasing move but i it was my worst selling book <laughs> i am proud to, i'm not proud to say but uh, people didn't know whether it was meant to be funny or serious they didn't know whether it was for kids or adults and in the end, the, the kind of reaction was, oh, oh, um, can we have some more of that funny stuff, please? <laughs> so, I've never gone out of my patch again. But, <laughs> but it was tremendously useful for me because I got to do all the research. And um, and I do believe that uh, a fit body is creates strong thoughts and strong minds, so... When you're a writer, you have a lot of time sedentary at a desk. Now, these days, I stand, but um, I need to balance that time almost exactly with long walks and times in the gym, and, and it's a chance to listen to music too. So, it's,
0: yeah. On, on a, another note uh, around your place, obviously a beautiful part of nature makes me think about the, the climate. Would you mind talking about your phrase, active
2: hope? Um, active hope... Well you know you have to be an optimist I think to continue and there is so much to do, so much that we can improve and we can't do it all but you can, you can work on a small basis and I guess my main uh, way of trying to change the world is to try to turn kids on to, to books and reading and the power of their imagination and, and make life a little less ordinary. Um, and show them it's not just drudge you know there are the the library for me used to be little doorways into every now and again you'd find a book that's utterly mad and utterly freeing and you know if the school could have found it and got rid of it they would have but um, that's what, to me a good book a good children's book is a bit subversive you're saying look behind the curtain there's a lot more going on than what the adults might be Telling you, um, so yeah, active hope is, is, is mixes in with that. That there's always life is really fantastic and interesting, and it's not all doom and gloom. And that's that's a um, a mistake to believe that. So I,
0: I, I love hearing you talk to that. So one of the things I, I often say is the biggest mistake that humanity makes is thinking because you can't do everything, you should do nothing. and, yeah. and I think sometimes people grossly underestimate the the power of good that good children's authors like yourself actually achieve not just turning kids on creativity and onto reading but just opening their minds to different worlds I think it's an amazing thing that you do and I think your work is very very important uh, the fifth choice on five of my life is always the possession and uh, you haven't disappointed because you have chosen a full-size puppet theatre and I haven't brought it with me because I haven't got it but I have got a picture of it. There you go. Uh, Tell the audience your story on Five My Life about (laughs) your full-size puppet theatre.
2: Yeah I I haven't brought it with me either because it's very big and very heavy and quite dangerous Um, and it came about because I was I love Punch and Judy puppet shows that, to me, is one of the purest forms of theatre. Um, Punch being someone who doesn't play by the rules. He does everything that we would do if there was no police and no social niceties. So I love it. And, it's and um, you know, he's whacking down policemen and, Back, banging the baby on the head or feeding it to a crocodile, whatever. And I love the fact that kids are that wide-eyed and slightly terrified, but also hilarious. And so I thought in my work with kids, I used to carry a lot of props with me, and I thought a puppet theatre would be brilliant. We could have you know these wild little puppet shows. And I saw one in a shop and it was about that big. And my wife Jill's father was a really great woodworker. And I said, could you get your dad to make me a puppet theatre? And so what came back was this very big puppet theatre that was way too heavy to transport anywhere. So we used it in our house, and my daughters used to love doing puppet shows, and you'd have the kids there. But it was not well um, supported. It only had tiny little uh, uh, feet out the front, and every now and again it would fall forward. In danger, some. I don't think it ever hit anybody, but it would go bang on the on the ground. Uh, so it was a very amusing and very dangerous puppet theatre, which we then had decorated by a Melbourne artist and with crackle paint, so it looks like it's from a hundred years ago. And um, yeah, that it's that vaudevillean kind of pantomime thing is very, um, I love it and, and it's what my work is a bit too, it's just too, it's too much. Um, it's exaggerated and, and over the top, a bit like, a bit like Tommy, the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yes. it, it, it speaks to a, uh, I've been listening to lots of interviews you've done previously and one of the uh, phrases that caught my mind was you said, uh, I can never understand people who are bored." And looking at your uh, possession choice, it, it, it's old school, make your own entertainment, make it, you know, it's not, it's not online, nothing wrong with online, but no. um, it, it makes me want to ask you, in your own creative life, uh, the difference between writing versus performing? So it's one thing fronting a punk band, it's another thing standing at your desk writing a, a novel that's gonna sell, go on the way to 10 million copies. Is, which one do you like best or do you like them equally?
2: Well, I can't know it's gonna sell any copies until I get the raw material out and test it out on an audience. So they're intimately related. That I, I, When I'm out performing, and that's a different part of my, so, my personality, the extrovert will come out when you've got kids in the room. Um, when they're not there, I'm quite happy to go more to the introvert side. And um, but yeah, if there's a kid in the room, I can't help telling them something stupid and trying to get them to believe it. And I've done that since I was a kid to the little kids around me. So yeah. um, sorry, where were we? Where, was, where were we but going what you with
0: prefer, that? Writing or performing?
2: Ah. Um, if, you, if you put a gun to my head, it will always be writing. Right. Um, I can live without performing. But over the two years of lockdown, I, Hannah Gadsby said it beautifully. She said, I didn't miss performing at all during the two years. It was really nice to be able to go total introvert. But um, I agree with her when she said, when I got back, I went, oh, ah. this is so nice. Yeah. And, so, yeah, they're the two sides of the same coin for me. And um, yeah,
0: Two more questions on Five of My Life. Uh, the first is, how do you want your story to end?
2: Um, am I allowed to say I don't want it to end? Yes, but, that's a great that's answer. Not You're to the first
0: man that dodges the grave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not terribly realistic. Um, I, I, I'm very happy to be in the position to be able to pass on my love of, of books and fantasy and imagination. Um, and that's really what my life's mission is. Um, so it could end tomorrow and I'd be pretty happy. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. You're, you're an example to us all. The, the last question is the traditional question, ending question on Five of My Life, uh, which is, who would you like to hear on Five of My Life next and Why?
2: That's a very good question. Um, One which you have to answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm currently having an obsession with uh, Henry Rollins, the, um, the uh, once singer of Black Flag, the, uh, the book writer, the talker. Um, I find his energy and commitment to what he does incredibly inspiring. So yeah, I can listen to him any time, and
0: we will give him a ring. Um, I'm going to end with a. (laughs) You'll be
2: sorry. You'll need you'll need five hours for him.
0: (laughs) He's not short of a word. Um, I'm going to end with a quote. You said once, the biggest thing I can do is provide the energy and hope that good comedy creates. And I want to thank you, mate, for coming on Five Mm -hmm. of My Life, but also thank you for the work that you do. Andy Griffiths, thank you for sharing
2: your 5 on 5 My Life. Thank you, Nigel.
1: Thank you. Thank you both. Actually, could you please thank Nigel Marsh for being here today? Thank you. And of course, Andy, I, You know, I, I really hope that what we've given you today is a little sneak peek into the minds of these two very interesting people beyond the lives that we know them for or they have had, which have been um, interesting enough, but I always think that there's something more going on and I feel like we've heard a little bit of that today. What we've heard from both of them though is that they are both living a life of passion. And that comes out in everything they do, from the books that Andy writes and that Nigel writes to the work that they do in the background, the ambassadorships and all those things that are very meaningful. So we're really grateful for you being here today and, and thank you very much.
2: And another, another example of a life of passion is you, Chris. Oh, yes. thanks, Andy.
1: <laughs> Andy, thank you. Andy and I, we do a lot of work together with the Indigenous Literacy Foundation and it's always a great joy to be doing stuff with Andy um, that we know is helping to make a difference.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you follow five of my life, you might enjoy my latest book, Smart, Stupid and 60. In it, I write about a number of the issues discussed on the show. It's the 20-year follow-on from my first book, Fat, 40 and Fired. If you have any feedback on the book or suggestions for the show, please get in touch via my website, nigelmarsh.com.